Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of On the Bright Side. I'm your host, Caroline Susco, and I am so happy to be here today, and I am even more happier because we have an amazing guest today. One of you requested to have her come on, and the second I heard all the amazing things she does while also being an advocate for mental health, I was like, yep, let's have her on the pod. So if you don't know her, I'm so excited for you to meet her and literally fall in love with her. So let's welcome On the Bright Side's latest guest, Kayleen Bracken. Hello. I am so excited. That was the kindest intro also. I'm and so whoever requests that I come on, I love you. <laughs> um, that is so kind. I'm so incredibly happy to be here. I was telling Caroline that I listened to her previous episode right before we came on and I was just blown away by how wonderfully gracious and thoughtful you are. I was like, I'm going to learn so much sitting. That's how I was thinking. Like, I was like, I'm going to learn so much from her. Like, you're my idol. I'm like, okay, girl. Oh my goodness. Likewise. <laughs> Um, okay, so to give everyone a quick background, Kayleen is quite literally a triple threat. She's done TED Talks. She just put on an amazing event with Colton Underwood to raise mental health awareness. She's running a marathon with the Release Recovery Foundation while working with free people. And if that's not enough, she also has her own podcast called Sunday Questions, where she talks about all things mental health and inspiration. And it's literally such an amazing podcast. You are so well-spoken and time and time again, you put so many people's thoughts into words and it is a superpower. When I heard, are you like posted something about like friends or whatever in like the lifetime? I was like, yep, like this is it. I loved it when you reposted that because that was when I was still blogging and I blog, I actually put a blog out today because I was just feeling like writing. Mm -hmm. That was kind of my original medium was written word. And now I love speaking and obviously podcasting. It just, once you get into the audio space, it's like, there's nothing like it if you do love it. Mm-hmm. So I was so excited when you repost that. I was like, that was something I have not shared in so long. And to see it almost reborn yeah. on the internet was incredibly gratifying because it was, <laughs> a, I hold close to my heart. I literally sent it to my friends. I go, this, this is what I needed. This is what I need to hear. And I was like, I need to meet this girl right now. I need to become friends with her. She needs to come on the podcast. (laughs) You are so sweet. You are so, it's, it's so funny. I love, that's like the one thing that I think I find so much purpose in as someone who is, and I know you're in a similar position because you talked about on your podcast of pursuing this life as a content creator. And I Mm -hmm. think so many people are so bashful about it, but like why can't I pursue working for myself the same way other people pursue working in consulting exactly yeah. it is a little bit radical to just own it and be like I want to be a content creator I want to be a podcast mm-hmm. host full-time I want to create my own content and I find so much purpose in being able to put things into words for other people and I always say if there's anything I want to do with the work I put out it's like if I can make one person feel a little bit more normal I'm doing air Mm -hmm. quotes it'll make me feel so much better because having struggled with anxiety and OCD and different mental health challenges it's like Mm -hmm. all you want is to not feel crazy exactly you you don't want to feel broken you don't want to feel crazy and so I'm like if I have to do if I have to be honest and vulnerable that's perfectly fine Mm -hmm. I just want someone out there to be like oh she said it I'm not crazy that's all I need yeah yeah and that's exactly how I feel because I had, I still do, don't get me wrong, but like so much OCD anxiety growing up, like we have very similar stories, different ways, but it was just like, it consumed me and it was so hard to like put words to it because literally everyone just thought I was crazy. And I was like, it's not me. Like it's my brain and like I'm me and my brain's me, but right now we're like working together and it's just so like extra hard. You know what I mean? 
Of course. And I really, I'm grateful that I've had the education that I've had and we're both mm-hmm. lucky to be in college that I've been able to find the words to tell these stories in ways that are really concise. And ironically, I actually study the communications of science, which everyone's always like, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't even know. It just seemed like the major that was most interesting to me. Mm-hmm. But I have learned how to translate really confusing things into something that's palatable and digestible for someone who doesn't know anything about it. And I think I have unintentionally learned how to make those things where it feels like it's completely neurological or it's the anxiety in your body and you can't even get in touch with it because it's so scary. You don't even want to look at it. It's like, I just want to run from it, but it's running with you. Mm -hmm. I completely understand what you mean. And it is so difficult. Definitely. So we are going to talk a lot today about mental health, coping, everything in between. So we'll get into it because I know we both have a lot to say. But before we get into today's episode, I start each episode off with a grateful to set the tone and allow us to realize how much we have to be grateful for because we can so easily overlook it. So if you want to go first, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you want to go first, you're grateful, go for it. I would love to. I today am very grateful for the preparation that I've put in to my marathon. I'm running a marathon next weekend. Next weekend? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so exciting. I'm so excited. It's been on my bucket list for the longest time to run the New York city marathon. And I just feel so much purpose running it, as you mentioned with release recovery foundation and FP movement, but specifically release recovery. I've been sober for over two years and so many of my closest family members have gotten sober over the past two years. And it's been so amazing to just watch my life and their lives change in in ways that are both intertwined and completely separate, but all things beautiful. And I'm just getting so excited to run for a purpose. Like there's so much charge around marathons of being like, how else do you want to run? And what do you, how do you want to feel? Are you worried? And it's like, I just really feel very grateful to have been given the opportunity to Mm -hmm. do this for a cause that I really, really care about. And so I'm just reflecting as the marathon comes closer, because I know I'm going to miss it as soon as it's over. How long have you had to train for that? A while, right? So I've been training since July. Holy crap. That's so exciting though. You've got to be so excited that like you're in the home stretch, like just doing it. Oh my gosh. It's so, it's so funny. Cause even though I, my body at this point is just like, what are you doing? It's also the gratitude. I keep having to come back to it. And every time I go out for a run, I'm like, I'm so grateful that I have this opportunity. I'm so grateful to be doing this. And even you said on your podcast last week, like it is a little bit radical to not sit in like the victim mentality but to be like oh my goodness I'm so lucky I get to do this run because and I think the same way as you of like my legs work people's Mm -hmm. legs don't work people don't live in communities safe enough people are struggling with mental illnesses that keep them inside like I feel so lucky to be able to go out on a run and use that as a source of happiness Mm -hmm. and it just it's beyond me the fact that I've gotten to do this for the past few months and I've found the time and space for it You are so precious. Oh, I'm so excited for you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I love it. So for my grateful today, I'm super grateful that we get to talk about mental health and mental health awareness has become such a bigger topic of conversation, kind of like we were talking about before, because I feel like the more people that can understand and feel heard and know that they're not alone and don't feel crazy is so important. And when people like you or me are so vulnerable when it comes to talking about mental health, it just can really bring people closer and allow for so many relationships to be built. Because I feel like 
like if we, you didn't talk about mental health, I feel like I would have never come across your page. And so I'm like super grateful that people are now so vulnerable in today's day and age where it's almost normalized to a point where everyone can like just understand each other and it's a lot less difficult to to go through it alone. Completely. It is. I work with this man who is amazing. His name's Harry Miller. He's also a mental health advocate of sorts. And his whole motto around it is don't make it weird. And it, I was like, I think if our generation has done anything really well, it's not making it weird to talk about these things. And it really has just become a part of the discourse. So I'm yeah. incredibly grateful for that as well. No, yeah. Like if I, co- like when I cope, it's with humor now and everyone, like everyone, that's just how everyone does it. And I'm like, yep, that's how it works now. Oh, totally. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. It really is. And all of our parents are still kind of acclimating. I always make fun of my mom. Mm-hmm. But we'll definitely listen to this. I adore her. <laughs> She, for a long time, would change the, her tone of voice when she would ask me about my mental health. She'd be like, so what? How was that exam? How is your eating disorder? And I'd be like, okay, let's be real. You're now making okay, me mom. <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just something that happens yeah. to your mind, to your body. But it really is a gift that we have all found some comfort yeah, in talking about it. Definitely, for sure. So before we go on, how about you tell everyone more about yourself and then we can go more into your mental health story. Of course. So my name is Kayleen Bracken. I'm 21 years old and I'm currently a senior at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee. I was recruited to play Division I lacrosse on our women's lacrosse team here when I was a junior in high school. I grew up in northern New Jersey. I loved it. I'm from Ridgewood, if anyone is a North Jersey listener. But I got recruited when I was a junior in high school. I played at a pretty elite level growing up and came to college and I was struggling a lot with my relationship with lacrosse, which is a lot of how I got into the mental health advocacy realm and working a lot with student athletes and elite athletes. I am not playing lacrosse anymore. I was like, what am I going to say? I'm not playing lacrosse anymore (laughs) because, which is really special. I've been lucky enough to make a little career out of mental health advocacy, which I could not be more grateful for. I also felt like I just had kind of lost steam for the sport, which is totally okay and natural when you've played at such a high level for so long. Mm-hmm. So now working basically full-time as a mental health advocate, mm-hmm. creator of sports. I also work for mindbuddygreen.com, which is something I don't talk about a bunch. It's just something that I love doing. And I've been very adamant about supporting myself through college and trying to be financially independent, mm-hmm. which almost to a fault where it's like, okay, let yourself be young. Yeah, no, definitely. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so difficult. It's a difficult, uh, I guess, line to walk because it's like, I really want to be independent, but then also Mm -hmm. I want to let myself be, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 while I'm this age. But I work for mybuddygreen.com. I work in their nutrition e-learning team. So we develop programs. It's very fun. I've been with them for two years. That's a little bit over that now. And then I work as a mental health advocate. As Caroline said, I have a podcast called Sunday Questions, which was born from a series of me just putting up that little ask me a question box on Instagram and Mm -hmm. people writing in on Sundays. And I started a podcast almost a year ago and decided to just roll with that because I love giving advice. I love talking through things, hearing what people are going through. I love asking people what's on their mind. I just think there's so much beauty and connection through questions and curiosity. And that's kind of been my thesis 
throughout all of this work that I keep circling back to because frequently as I am a senior in college, I'm like, what do I want to do with my life? And then I realized I'm already doing some really awesome things. I just need to give myself the grace to be like, you're really doing more than you ever thought you would be doing at this point in your life. Just let yourself celebrate that and appreciate where you are now because it's so easy to get stuck in that trap of, I just did a podcast on this earlier in the week. It's so easy to get stuck in that trap of wondering what you're going to do with your life. And you're not realizing that you're actually doing something with your life as you ponder that. Yeah. And I feel like both of us just being seniors, we both kind of have like, that's my mentality always. I'm like, what can I be doing next? Where can I go from here? But like, people just keep telling me like, like, soak this up now. Like life's going to get so much more crazier. Just like be happy with what you're doing right now. And don't always try to get onto the next thing. Stay in this moment, you know, soak it in while you can. It's so funny too, because as seniors, it's like, everyone in the generations above us is like soak it in enjoy college you only get to do it once and then at the same time it's like linkedin is the fanciest most popular thing at at my school and it's like everyone's talking about what they're going to do after graduation and it's like how are you supposed to be present in this when there's some cognitive dissonance of one person telling you that you should be soaking this in don't even look ahead and the other person being like what are you doing when you graduate it's just it is a a hurricane that is difficult to be in, but it's a really, really beautiful place to be. Mm-hmm. And I keep running myself like I'm not always going to have this level of uncertainty, both to my detriment and also as a really wonderful blank canvas. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And that's a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Does LinkedIn scare you? Because it scares the shit out of me. <laughs> oh gosh, terrifying. Also, I'm very into being casual. And I see my friends who are like, it's insane. so proper. Oh, everyone's like, great job. So proud of you. Like it's, and I mean, of course, congratulate people, but I just want to come and be like, woo, go you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, but thank it, you, comma. Congratulations on your en- endeavors. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh. We're like, everyone's like cosplaying office. It's so yeah. strange. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> or people go on. <laughs> I've noticed this. People go on and they're like, just come. Hi, just wanted to let everyone know that I completed a steak making masterclass mm-hmm. and they add it to like their skills. I'm like, what's going on? This is crazy. Literally. And, and then I feel like, like I'm behind. Work. And then, cause I see everyone's yeah, like, exactly. they're like, I got an A this semester. I'm like, oh goody. Like, I'm so proud of you. But like, I it's just like, it can be so easy to compare everyone's step at the same time. And obviously like everyone's at a different chapter in their life, but like just looking at that and people like right now being like, I just accepted a full-time job. I'm like, oh, like, congratulations. I'm so happy for you. But that scares me. Yeah. And it's so natural too. For me, it's like when I think about, and for you too, like you're doing these amazing things and you, I just heard on your podcast that you got your first paid partnership. It's like, it is so easy for us to look at someone who has a predictable plan and be like, wow, that's amazing. But when I really pull it apart, I realize I don't want the kind of predictability that comes along with an investment banking job or a full-time offer that keeps you in the office from nine to five, which is amazing for some people. But then I realize people are looking at young women like us and saying, oh, I wish I had a podcast. I wish I was Mm -hmm. confident enough to post on TikTok and Instagram. And I wish that was something I wanted to pursue, or maybe they want to pursue it and they're too afraid to. And so it goes both ways, but it's easier when you have the less predictable path to be like, oh, it would just be so easy to go into marketing or go into PR or influencer or whatever. So it's a brave thing. And I commend both of us because it's not, it's not easy despite what people will. Uh Uh-huh. I remember. 
I remember I because like I was just getting used to LinkedIn sorry I'm getting off track already but everyone was like you need to post on LinkedIn so when I made my podcast over a year ago I like post about it and it was dead so I was like all right so this isn't the place for this (laughs) it was dead (laughs) it's so funny yeah people I mean for some people LinkedIn is like their holy grail for me I'm like people bob tiktok instagram which is yeah you know what I'm just gonna let myself love it no nope, that's that our do. thing that is our thing I'm on tiktok 24 7 and if not I'm on instagram or recording a podcast like that's yeah. that's me through and through and if that's what makes you happy then that's what we roll with and that's exactly we're rolling with it <laughs> exactly exactly all right, so let's let me try to get back on track. You you're gonna understand super quickly that I just get into conversation so quickly, and I'll just get sidetracked. But I will try my best. That is so my mo also. Perfect. So don't, you're in okay, a safe place. <laughs> All right. So from listening to your podcast and from watching your running interview with Kate, I learned how much of an advocate you are for mental health and how similar our stories are. So do you want to tell everyone a bit about your mental health journey and what it has looked like up to this point? Of course. So I actually began dealing with, and it's so funny because I've actually never identified with, everyone's like, oh, that's a girl who writes about mental health, which I love because I'm mm-hmm. it's so bad about it, but it's so funny because I've never really identified with being someone who has had mental health challenges, even though I absolutely have. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm on a prescription antidepressant. It's certainly something I have worked with um, mm-hmm. and a huge part of who I am. But when I was 11 years old, I developed an eating disorder that was basically my first ever example of mental health or mental health challenges. And I remember looking back now, so I still have OCD and I try not to identify with it closely, but I also have to give myself the grace of being like, this is a, it's a mental health ailment and it's okay if you mm-hmm. want to name it and it doesn't mean you're making it who you are. But looking back, I see how much fear and compulsion was a factor in that eating disorder when I was so young. I remember just being like so focused on routines and I was convinced Mm -hmm. that if my dad didn't come into my room every night and do the exact same thing and like say the same the same words. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then close the door to the same the same beat and all that. Because some people, I'm sorry to interrupt, but some people like just like I love when people talk about this who like not like I, I love that you have OCD, obviously. <laughs> but like I just, I'm just I love that we can relate because that was the same thing for me. If I didn't get like my fixation was on sleeping. So if I didn't get out nine hours and 20 minutes exact, I would make myself throw up. And like it was like there was another like if one stops and like when I got over that, it would be like I need to check every radiator radiator in the house. So a radiator, whatever the word is. So like no fire start or something. And I did like other ones with my dad. I was like, my dad has to say this to me before I leave. And my mom has to say this. But like it's so refreshing for someone to actually understand what OCD is and not just think it's like three pencils in a row. Don't even get me started. Mm-hmm. I I'm so passionate about OCD. I've done so much research in my major because we get to basically study any science we want to. I've studied so much about OCD and it is so wildly misunderstood. And I've just had to bite my tongue every time I hear someone be like, I'm so OCD. Yeah, it's like smile and nod. Right. It's like, okay, you can, they mean that. I know what they mean. Culturally, Mm -hmm. I'm so OCD doesn't mean I have obsessive compulsive disorder. And as someone who has obsessive compulsive disorder, it is difficult to not feel misunderstood when people say that, even if they don't know that you struggle with it. Mm-hmm. And I think the distinction that I always make is if anyone's listening to this and you happen to be someone who says, oh my gosh, I'm so OCD, it, 
you're not a bad person for saying that. Yeah, like, please totally. Understand that if you have OCD, you don't enjoy doing the things that your mind tells you to do. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy cleaning my room. I love cleaning my room. I love having a clean room, but I don't say, oh my God, I'm so OCD. My room needs to be clean because OCD is one of the most top six debilitating diseases, like on the same list as cancer. And people don't understand that when it's like OCD is literally like a toddler. It's like constantly tugging at your shirt when it can't have, like you said, it like changes subjects it changes ways because when it doesn't get the attention it wants from one fear it comes up with a new fear to be like now will you pay attention to me Mm -hmm. and it really is like something that I didn't know I had OCD for the first seven months that I had it when I got the diagnosis I was so relieved because I was like I thought I was going insane and you you lose so much trust with yourself Mm -hmm. and when you're someone like you or I and you've done so much work to reflect on who you are as a person and who you want to become it becomes really confusing and distressing to feel like you don't know yourself as well as you thought you did. Right. Definitely. Even just like once you get it, it's so hard to break that pattern over and over. Like you have to go through so much exposure therapy to even start getting on that track because it's like you have to like untrain your brain to then get it back on track to a normal route. I think about it all the time. Every time I have any thought that is like OCD related. I'm like, don't entertain it because you're going to create a new neural pathway that is going to make you have this chain of thoughts every time you have that one thought that like mm-hmm. sparks the fire. And it's so difficult, but I really do think, and it's difficult to find any sort of bright side to OCD, if you will. But I really do think it's made me a significantly more empathetic and considerate mm-hmm. person because I think about everything that I say and everything I do in terms of what if everyone in the room had OCD and I was triggering their fears? And I try to be so cognizant of, I don't want to make anyone else feel misunderstood or anyone else feel crazy or like they're not safe here. So Mm -hmm. in a way made me a better person, but that's like, I'm like, I just like can't believe you said that because that's exactly how I think. Like I'll, like if something, like if I'm doing something and something's like weird in my head that someone does, I'm like, oh, like maybe it's just their intrusive thoughts. So like, I just need to be a nice person because like if people ever knew what was going through my head when I had like these horrible OCD thoughts, like they would think I was crazy. It's just like pretending, almost pretending everyone has OCD. Because I mean, the thing is, it's like, it sucks that for people with OCD, the seed that was planted then grew roots and you have these thoughts. Mm-hmm. Everyone else has the same thoughts. It's just a matter of whether or not you attach them and give them meaning. And so I'm like, everyone has the potential of being so terrified of a thought that they have that it just plants mm-hmm. a seed and grows roots. And it's like the scariest thing ever. And I think it is a matter of just having enough compassion to say everyone's brain is a little bit weird. And mm-hmm. and I just make space for people to do their own thing. It's the let them thing too. It's like, it's not in my control. I just want to let everyone, as long as you're not hurting anyone, kind of do exactly. that. Yeah. All right. I'll let you keep going with your story. I just like this. I never have. I never talk about this because no one ever talks about it. So I was like, oh, my gosh. I love it. I have been waiting to find someone to talk about OCD with because everyone thinks that I want to organize my pens. And they're like, I'm like, OCD, your car is so messy. I'm like, I'm not afraid of my car being messy. Yeah. You're like, I'm afraid of how many times the door slams or something. <laughs> Things like that. Right. It's like so many different insane mm-hmm. just like subtopics. So looking back and realize that there was some kind of like obsessive compulsive behavior when I was 11, but I also was a competitive cheerleader at the time, which is a very toxic environment body-wise. 
So it's like, you want to be a flyer and you want to be the lightest and everyone who is 11 or 12 has like ripped abs, which is neither here nor there, but I got really into it and I really wanted to be thin, but I didn't realize I had these fears around food that were abnormal. I was like very focused on random metrics. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like calories and it wasn't ingredients. It was more so just random metrics I had decided were bad. And so I struggled with an eating disorder for probably three years. And then by the time I got to high school, I kind of subconsciously healed from that. And I remember resisting therapy when I was in fifth grade because mm-hmm. my mom was like, I bring you to someone. And I went to this one, I think it was a psychiatrist actually. And they had me draw a picture of myself. And I was like, I'm not dumb. I know you think I'm going to draw a picture of like somebody way bigger than me, mm-hmm. but I just ended up drawing like me with the way that I looked and mm-hmm. it, it, they still didn't understand why I was struggling with this. If I knew that I was small and I couldn't even explain it because it was really yeah. just a control at that point. And then I was pretty fine. Like all of high school, no anxiety, no depression, no eating disorder. And then senior year of high school, I was still drinking. And like I said, I don't drink anymore, which is a huge factor in why I have become the person that I am. And this one night I, I was like struggling with my mental health that whole summer kind of leading up to my senior year, just because my plans didn't pan out in the way that I thought that they would. And I felt like my parents were mad at me. And I just was like really confused at that point in my life. I felt very lost. And I was drinking a lot with my friends. And then I was talking to this one boy and then I kissed other boy. And then I kissed that boy. And I was just like a mess. Like I mm-hmm. day, everyone's like, what's the worst thing you've ever done? I'm like, I once kissed two boys in one night and looking <laughs> back, I, it was like catastrophic at the time. I was like, yeah. I'm the worst person ever. Oh, and I lied about it. That was the worst part. Anxiety the next morning is worse than anything. Oh, oh my goodness. I was horrified with myself. And like to the point where I could not look at myself in the mirror. I, that was the first time I dyed my hair blonde. Cause I was like, I don't even want to see this person in the mirror anymore. That was really when I started this like relapse, if you will. Yeah. Of eating disorder. And that's when I really started struggling with depression and consequently my relationship with lacrosse, which only got worse when the pandemic started our senior year. And I was mm-hmm. locked inside and everyone's doing Chloe Ting workouts and <laughs> diets and I just yeah. was it's a perfect storm for me to really start restricting myself and it definitely played out my internal environment played out in my external environment I was in a relationship at the time and that kind of went awry because I just didn't have the energy for anyone else and it was just a really difficult period I, I remember seeing the concern in people's eyes like every time I talked to someone whether it was a family member or a friend or a coach and I went to college, still struggling with my mental health. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until the end of my freshman year of college when I had this sort of revelation about suffering. And it sounds so cliche to be like, I read a self-help book, but I was reading The Power of Now. Mm-hmm. I remember it, Eckhart Tolle talked about, it was like the third page. And he talks about how he had this enlightening moment where he realizes he's like, I can't live with myself anymore. And then he's like, wait. I'm living with myself. Like there's two people up here. And it just hit me that I had been letting my thoughts kind of run the show for so long. And I wasn't even vetting any of the beliefs that I had taken on. Mm-hmm. So I started getting really into self-help that summer and writing and sharing my mental health story. And ever since then, I have been, I would say like really 
mentally healthy and have a great perspective um, on life. I love, you talked about this in your last episode, I keep referencing it, but <laughs> the idea of suffering being when you, as long as you resist reality, you're going to suffer. And ever since then, I've kind of just taken an acceptance approach to life and accepting things as they come. And I realize anytime I am suffering, it's because I'm resisting something. So that's been the key to, I think, kind of healing in a lot of ways. I have had just like random bouts of anxiety. Mm -hmm. I've had four concussions, which is so brutal from lacrosse. And my last concussion kind of sparked OCD, which is crazy, but it makes sense because it really messes with your sense of Mm -hmm. uh, cognitive stability and and all of those things. So now I am medicated. I've been on Zoloft for a little bit over a year and it has absolutely changed my life. I could not be sisters for that. (laughs) Yep. Love it. it. And it's, I mean, I, I don't haphazardly recommend SSRIs. Yeah, yeah, guys, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're different for everyone. You can still be but, our sisters. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, you can still be our sisters, but it, it definitely is valuable for me to be like, okay, this has been so helpful. And when people ask me about it, I like love to be open about sharing how it worked and just the kind of timeline mm-hmm. of feeling very like numb and then feeling finally like myself again. And it's just been a really, really amazing, beautiful experience. And I feel like I've grown so much as a result of it. But yeah, that's pretty much, it's pretty much the whole thing. Yeah. I feel like so many of these things are so similar and it's just like, again, refreshing to be like, oh, someone else understands this, you know? Mm-hmm. Completely. Okay. If you couldn't tell 30 minutes in by now that Kayleen and I have a lot to say and a lot to talk about when it comes to mental health and are just talking machines, I'm telling you now. So because we have so much to say and are so passionate about this topic, the rest of this episode will be coming out next Wednesday just so you guys can really take it all in and listen to it all because this is an amazing episode and if you guys take away one thing from any of these podcasts I hope it's this one because Kayleen is so knowledgeable and has so many amazing wonderful things to say so stay tuned for part two of this episode I'm not I don't mean to cut it off I just think you guys will get so much more out of it if it's cut into two so stay tuned for that and I will have Kayleen's socials in the description below and in the meantime before we have part two come out make sure to go listen to Kayleen's amazing podcast, Sunday Questions, and go listen to all the wonderful things she has to say. All right, part two is we'll be here before you know it. But in the meantime, I love you guys. And remember to stay looking on the bright side, and I promise it'll serve you really well. Love you guys. Bye.